Chapter Fourteen of The Quiet Flame by Eva K. Betts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The flame is quenched. In nineteen o five, there were nine hundred seven lepers in the colony of Molokai. The Kapiolani home in Honolulu had forty five girls. The hospital on Maui was doing its work well under the care of Sister Magdalena whose early days in the order had been guided by Mother Mary Ann. If she had the time and inclination, Mother Mary Ann could have looked with satisfaction on the pain eased, the lives brightened because of her. If she had been impelled to give credit for the work, she would have given it to her sisters. The thought of the amazing work they had done, not only in caring for souls and bodies, but the heavy manual labor. They had cleaned and scrubbed, they had made gardens and roads, and when the Board of Health had moved too slowly, Sister Benedicta had got some salvage lumber, and with help from two of her patients, had herself put up a needed building. Sister Benedicta must replace me when I am gone, Mother Mary Ann would say. She is strong enough for the load. But the nuns did not want to think of Mother leaving them. It was she who had accepted the challenge of the work, she who had led the first group half around the world to work on the island. Every forward step had been taken at her direction. How could they go on without her? Mother's face was wrinkled now, and her step not as light and quick as it once had been. But in her heart the same warm flame of love burned, the same desire to be of service. The sisters tried to make her take things a little easier, to rest for a while each afternoon, for example. She would obediently go for her nap, but hardly would she lie down than a little girl would come to the door. "'Where's Mother? I want Mother!' Mother is resting, dear, sister would say. What is it you want? Can't I take care of it? No, I want mother. Mother Mary Ann always said she slept with one ear open, so she would appear on the veranda in answer to the call. I want to show you the picture I drew, the child might say, or I have no thread to make lace. The sisters would protest. Mother, she could have shown me the picture. Mother's lovely smile, which she never lost, would flash. Ah, but sister, it was me she wanted to show it to, she would say. There was just no way to see that mother rested, it seemed. Electric light came to the island, and American efficiency brought modern buildings in better ways. But the basic ingredient in caring for the patients, the most valuable medication, still was love. In 1914 there were reports of trouble in Europe, of war there, to the girls under their care, the nuns taught a prayer for the men in battle. Pictures of a little bohemian village home of her ancestors came to Mother Mary Ann's mind. She wondered what was happening in the quaint little streets bordered by houses with sharp-pitched roofs. But she could not dwell on far-off lands. She was feeling her age very much, and, as she pointed out to her mother-general, she and several of the sisters had been in the islands for thirty-one years. On what they had done... What they had seen in those years, she made no comment. In September of 1917, Mother Mary Ann asked to be relieved of her duties as superior. Sister Benedicta came from the Capiolani home to take the charge. Mother was failing rapidly, physically, but she was still able to take some responsibility, to get about a little, though it was hard, and she still kept her ability to see the humorous side of things. Mother was still amazed by the wireless telegraphy, it was possible now to send a message through the air, to ask a question of Honolulu, 
and get an answer from there in less time than it used to take to write a letter. The world was moving so fast. If only human nature would perfect itself to keep up with the things it invented. The doctor secured a comfortable wheelchair for Mother. It delighted her, but she was diffident about going for rides in it. "'You work so hard,' she protested when Sister Leopoldina wanted to take her out for the air. "'You shouldn't be pushing me about. Go and rest.' "'But, Mother,' Sister was disappointed, "'I want to take you out.' "'Really?' Mother herself was the soul of truth, and she had the childlike simplicity which marks true greatness. She did not argue. Each day she was brought to the dining-room for meals. She could go to the chapel, be really a part of the community life which was so dear to her. From the veranda she could see the ocean which had so often frightened and distressed her. It would not bother her again. She could hear the wind in the trees she had planted, giants now, bending protectively over the ground below. The poly still rose grandly, but their greenness no longer was cut suddenly by a barren thumb of land. Grass and flowers were lush around Kalawapapa. Many of the trees and flowers were the gifts of faraway people. People are kind and good, Mother Mary Ann thought to herself. One needs only to give them a chance to be generous. When the children saw their beloved mother on the veranda or being wheeled about the yard in her chair, they would run to be near her. A smile from her would make the day bright for them. But as spring ended and summer began, in 1918, they would sometimes draw away frightened, because they saw in her face a fact which she was aware of. Death was not far away, and they feared death. Mother Mary Ann never tried to keep the girls with her longer than they wanted to stay. She loved them enough to let them go. Even the most disfigured face was beautiful to her, for in each she saw Christ and her love for him was beyond all measure. If anyone had called her heroic, she would have been either amused or amazed. Christ had paid her the compliment of calling her to serve him. It was little enough to say, thank you, by caring for his afflicted ones. Sister Crescentia spent the night with Mother, watching and caring for her. But, of course, the fact that she was night nurse did not mean that she could sleep during the day. Her regular duties awaited her then, "'Can't I stay with you a few nights, Mother?' Sister Leopoldina asked. "'No, it would make Sister Crescentia unhappy,' Mother said gently. "'But I'll tell you what you can do.' "'Oh, what, Mother?' Sister was eager for a chance to be of service. "'You can take me for a nice ride on the veranda. I feel the need of fresh air.' Breathing was growing constantly more difficult for Mother. Her tortured lungs could not get enough oxygen." They made one trip up and down the forty-foot veranda. Sister turned the chair and was about to start again. That will do, sister, Mother said gently. Take me in now. Sister's heart sank. Mother usually wanted several trips. Could this be the end? But some days later a little novice came to visit. I'd like to take your picture, Mother, she said. Mother Marianne had always objected to being photographed. Everyone was surprised when this time she agreed. Her chair was wheeled into the yard. There, under one of the trees she had planted more than a quarter of a century ago, her sisters behind her, her little girls grouped around her, mother was pictured for the last time. She looked at the trees and gardens, the cottages and main buildings. Lessons were being taught, beautiful lace was being made for sale. A full life, within certain limits, 
was being lived by her charges. "'It's a long time since you've been around to see things, Mother,' Sister said. "'Shall I take you on a little tour?' "'Not today, thank you, Sister.' Mother's voice was thin. "'You better take me in now.' "'I'd like to see Sister Magdalena,' said Mother one day, not long after the picture-taking. "'She is one of my girls, you know.' "'She wrote not long ago, Mother,' Sister reminded her. "'I know, but I'd like to talk with her about the school and hospital at Maui.' Mother seldom expressed a wish for anything. The sisters knew, too, that Sister Magdalena would be eager to see her and assist in caring for her during her last days. No ship was due to stop at Kalawapapa, however, for some days. "'I'll wire to Honolulu,' the doctor suggested, and have the Claudine stop for a passenger at Kanakaki. One of the sisters can ward her there and go on to Maui. Kanakaki was the other side of the Pali. The stern, twenty-five-hundred-foot cliff had only one footpath across it, a path made dangerous by falling stones and sudden storms. But it was the route which would lead to gratifying one of Mother Marianne's few desires. So Sister Benedicta set out on the journey. It was a grim, exhausting trip, and once over the Pali, there were still seven miles to go before she reached the harbor. Since the Claudine was a ship of some size, it could not come into the landing, but stood off shore to await its passenger. Now what? Sister Benedicta wondered. Was it possible that she had climbed and descended the Polly only to be balked now? Yet the gleam of the ship's lights through the darkness seemed to her to be a world away. She found a Japanese sampan willing to take her out. A sampan is a picturesque little boat, and quite seaworthy, but it has one vital disadvantage, one of which Sister Benedicta was quite conscious. Its decks were flat, and with no railing at all. The seas were only normally rough, but it seemed to Sister that each roll would send her spinning into the dark waters. There were automobiles on Maui now, and the roads were quite different from the ones over which Mother Mary Ann had jolted, but distance ate up time and there was little time left, Sister knew. The two nuns, Sister Benedicta and Magdalena, repeated the trip, the ship, the sampan, and the Polly. They reached Kalawapapa in time for Mass. Mother seemed better. She still went to the chapel in her wheelchair. She still was brought to the dining room, though she ate almost nothing, and she still enjoyed being taken out on the veranda. On the afternoon of August ninth, she was taken out for her airing, "'Mother, mother!' one of the little children ran up to greet her. But the child saw dissolution in Mother Mary Ann's face. She burst into heartbroken sobs and ran away. "'Take me to my room now, sister,' said Mother gently. That night she died. The quiet flame which had burned with love for over eighty years was quenched at last. The sisters of the Third Order of St. Francis still work in the islands, and their work has widened and spread. As Mother Mary Ann foretold, none of them ever contracted leprosy. The warm generosity and desire for service, which marked Mother Mary Ann, still permeates her sisters. When the Mother House at Syracuse learned I was writing this book, they were more than gracious than could be imagined. They loaned books, diaries, handwritten records made by Sister Leopoldina, who loved Mother so well. Before me as I write are gifts they sent me. There is a piece of Father Damien's cassock, a piece of silk from a sling Mother Marianne had made for his tortured arm. There are two pieces of lace that Mother made, one from a vestment, and one sample to show her girls what beauty they could produce. 
Robert Louis Stevenson, after his visit to Kawapapa, wrote a poem from Mother Mary Ann, which says everything best. To see the infinite pity of this place, the mangled limb, the devastated face, the innocent sufferers smiling at the rod, a fool were tempted to deny his God. He sees and shrinks, but if he looks again, lo, beauty springing from the breast of pain, he marks his sisters on the painful shores, and even a fool is silent and adores. End of chapter 14 End of The Quiet Flame by Eva K. Betts